Today we're going to open a letter by the angel by the name of Gabriel and listen to what Gabriel says. My name is Gabriel, and I'm just one of God's many messengers. I've done a lot of work for God over the centuries, but you know, I'm just one out of millions of angels that serve God. We've all watched this unfolding plan of God on the earth as he's opened the door for a reestablished relationship with each person on the earth, regardless of sin, because God has chosen to do something about it. You see, the, the plan of God has been unfolding for eons, and I, as one of his angelic beings, I was created as a part of God's perfect plan. And the plan has always been to recreate a perfect world with perfect people that are in a perfect relationship that's based on love and obedience and trust. And as a result of that, to generate a perfect contentment and fulfillment and joy and peace, things that were always intended for us to live in and to experience. It was always the plan in the ages past, and you know, it's still the plan today. And from the heavenly realm, we watch as it unfolds. Thousands of years ago, God started this, this plan of salvation for humankind. It's not complete. You and I are not complete yet. Not as, not as human beings or angelic beings. None of us are completed yet. We're still being developed, we're still learning, we're still changing. You see, we all have this thing called free will. And free will allows us to comprehend things, to learn things, and to choose things openly and freely. But part of God's plan, not only for the earth, but the heavens, is that we will learn that we will teach ourselves that our free will really needs to choose God over all other things. Because when we do, that's when perfection can enter in. You see, God always knew that free will would lead to sin and that sin would lead to death. He alone would have to lose absolutely everything for the sake of his creation. On the earth, you know, a sacrifice has always been required. A payment has always been required for sin because God in his perfection will not and cannot tolerate sin because sin leads to death and only death. You know, in the in the world, animals were were used uh, many, many times for centuries through the Old Testament. They were a covering for sin, and that lasted for a while. 
That's why you read about so many of the animal sacrifices, those strange things that, that took place in the Old Testament times. You see, they were, they were a way that, that God could look past the sin for a time. They didn't pay the price. They simply were something that foretold what was coming in the future. The death of something that would ultimately pay the price for sin. You see, that was the only thing that could ever satisfy the holiness of who God is, is that sin would be paid for by the perfect death. He knew, he knew that one day he would have to pay the price himself. Can you imagine creating a world, creating the heavens, and knowing that you would have to die in order to be a part of it? I can't imagine that. But God did. And he chose to do it. And God chose to come as an infant, which would have been the absolute perfect sacrifice. So the plan of God has been unfolding again for centuries, and, and God comes to the earth as an infant, human in every single way, for one purpose, to be the sacrificial lamb, human yet still divine. You know, in centuries past, uh, people started to doubt in the plan of God that he has for the world. I think the world that you live in today has done the exact same thing. Kind of lost hope, lost sight of what God is doing in your midst. Maybe part of it is because we see God as slow sometimes, but God is an eternal being. He's not slow. He's doing things at exactly the right time. So in the midst of all of the doubt and the, all the dysfunction of the world and, and how the world has kind of lost sight of the plan of God, he sent me centuries ago to speak on his behalf. One of those times I got to speak to a man by the name of Daniel. You read about his story in the book of Daniel in chapter 8. And it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, this is Daniel writing, had seen the vision and sought for me for the meaning. Then, behold, there stood before me the appearance of a man. You see, that appearance, that was me. God was showing, God was allowing me to show Daniel what was going on, how he had not forgotten his people, how he had not, he had not walked away from the nation of Israel. But God's plan to save people was still unfolding. And even though people back then kind of forgot, just like they have today, God sent me to make sure that through Daniel they would remember that they would remember that God would redeem the nations, would pay the price. And I had the privilege of explaining that to Daniel. Now, I will give you my own perspective. Daniel is a really nice guy, 
But when it came to the plan of God, he was kind of dumb about that stuff. You know, I've, I've been privileged to be God's right-hand spokesperson for eons. I got to tell a lot of other people about what God was doing at the time. You see, it took quite a while, but I learned to completely trust in who God is. And he trusts in me, and I trust in him. And it's been a wonderful relationship. But God sure does some strange things at times. I remember the time that he sent me to, to talk to a priest who kind of was losing hope, kind of losing faith. You read about it in the book of Luke in chapter 1. Zechariah was on duty with his division of priests. As he served in God's presence, he was chosen by priestly custom to go to the Lord's temple to burn incense. All of the people were outside praying while he was burning incense inside. Then to the right of the incense altar, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. You guessed it. That was me. Zechariah was troubled and overcome with fear. And I said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son, and you will name him John. John will be your pride and joy, and many people in the world will be glad that he was born. As far as the Lord is concerned, he will be a great man. He will never drink wine or any other liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring many people in Israel back to their God. He will go ahead of the Lord with the spirit and the power that Elijah had, and he will change the parents' attitudes toward their children. And he will change disobedient people so that they will accept the wisdom of those who have God's approval. You see, in this way, he will prepare the people for the Lord. Again, that was a conversation that uh, I had with this priest by the name of Zechariah, who was a very holy man. He was devout, but he was doubting too, even before old Doubting Thomas. You see, I got the privilege of telling this priest, Zechariah, about the birth of John the Baptist. It was one of the most important events in all of human history. And you know, God, once again, allowed me to be his spokesperson. You know, I might not have done a perfect job with it, because Zechariah just didn't believe me. Here I am in the temple and I'm telling Zachariah what's going to take place and how his wife is going to have a baby and he just, he just couldn't believe it. So rather than letting him ruin this wonderful news, I made him not able to speak any longer. I thought that'll teach him to doubt, but boy was he mad. Once again, God chose me to 
to talk with another individual. Part of this plan that God was unfolding during these days. This one you read about in the book of Luke chapter 1 also. During Elizabeth's six months of pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, that's me, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin. She was engaged to a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. But Mary was startled by what I said and wondered what this greeting might mean. And then I said to her, I said, Mary, don't be afraid. God has shown you his grace. Listen, you will become pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of the King David, his ancestor. And he will rule over the people of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That was the conversation that I had with Mary that you read about. You know, this was my shining moment in all of time. I got to talk to the little girl that God had chosen to have his son. And oh man, was she petrified. At first I thought that she couldn't handle it, but once again, God's choice came. And God's choice ended up being remarkable. And she told me, she says, let it all be to me as God has willed. Such faith, such trust is amazing. But you know, this created a huge ordeal because no one in her family, nobody in the village, nobody in the synagogue, nobody believed her. Nobody was happy with her. Everyone thought she was lying. Her parents told her she'd have to hide or be stoned. But you know, from the heavenly realm, myself and the other angels, it was kind of bittersweet because we, we saw the privilege and the honor and the, the things that Mary was asked to do. But we also could see the suffering that she would have to go through as she watched her son be crucified for the sake of humankind. You know, it's, it was still amazing because Mary was so obedient, so willing, yet petrified. And think about her parents, think about Joseph, think about the religious leaders, the, the people next door. I mean, and on it went. There were so many people that just didn't get it and were absolutely in disbelief. As I said, we all watch this story unfolding from the kingdom of heaven. And Mary and Joseph were finally wed. And she kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I thought she was going to explode. And then again, it was hard watching all the struggles that they went through. 
my gosh, this couple was cold. They were wet, lonely, hungry, doubting many times. And they were ready to give up at various times. Alienated from family and friends. No one believing you. People trying to find you and get to you. You see, there was a tremendous sense here in the heavens of compassion for them because it was so bittersweet the way that God was doing this. I remember when Mary went into labor and she was riding on a donkey in terrible pain and very uncomfortable and she still never complained. You know, she really is quite a remarkable woman. And Joseph is no slouch either. He was always there for her, always supporting her, always watching out for their needs. You know, in a way, he was the man with the greatest job in all of history because he got to care for the mother of God. And no one ever gave him any credit for it. And he was okay with that. Well, then there was this other person, the innkeeper. Remember him? He was a guy that was really between a rock and a hard place. The people were traveling all over the place for the, for the census. There was no room anywhere. People were sleeping in groups outside in the, in the cold, sheltering wherever they could. And here comes Joseph knocking on the guy's door, looking for a room, but there is none. But the man had a, had a heart, a heart for Joseph and Mary. So he offered the only thing that he had. It was an old stable, kind of like a cave. And they were just going to have to make do because there was no more time. So the innkeeper found some more blankets and, and he did the best he could. He provided what he could. So Mary delivers the baby, and, and it's in this disgusting stable. And you know, from the heavenly perspective, it was one of the most humbling things that I've ever witnessed, that God's Son will be born in the earth and laid in a nasty feeding trough. There was also some others that God wanted me to reach out to, these wise men. You see, these were kings that lived in another country, and they were kings that had a heart for God. They wanted to know God. They wanted to know who God was. They wanted to serve God, and they wanted to honor God with their life. So we sent them signs. And here, these men took those signs to heart and traveled extensively so that they could be a part of the greatest single event in all of human history. God's Son born into the world, the Deliverer, the Holy One. I will tell you, though, that Lucifer tried to mess it up. He had a plan. 
he got Herod, uh, this king, evil king at the at the time, to start killing the young infant boys. And he did that in hopes that Jesus would be one of them. You see, but life to Lucifer meant nothing, only himself. He wanted to rid the world of this Christ that God had sent. So Jesus ends enters into the world unarmed or unharmed, unscathed. He's still on this mission that he was born for from his very first cry, sent for a purpose, but it would be very difficult. God was always with him. He never left him. God was there. And I tell you, from my perspective, to watch the faithfulness of this relationship is absolutely awe-inspiring. Actually, if you've ever wondered about what God is doing in the midst of the troubles of your life, don't worry. If he can handle Lucifer, if he can handle Herod, and he can handle all the rest that were involved in this plan coming to fruition, trust me, he can handle the situations in your life too. So you have a choice. You can accept the fact that Jesus came into the world to sacrifice himself, to pay the single price for the sins of humankind that only God himself could pay. And today he offers you the same relationship that he's offered everyone. One where sin no longer abounds, one that's personal, one that's intimate relationship that's real and loving and eternal. God offers all of this to you. My name is Gabriel, and I hope to see you in the coming kingdom of heaven.